Hey everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Adam, was that... I... Adam Wreck, what? private investigator. What? I... Rub that by me one more time. Adam Wreck, private investigator. Why do you have a southern accent? I don't know. For this I was trying to do like character. a bo- I was trying you to do sound- like a, a Bogart thing. I, I even practiced. No, you sound like Yosemite Sam. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I got it wrong. Oh. Anyway. You got to have that. You got to have that. Uh, you got to have a little bit of a deeper. I think I was. You it. know what I was trying to do was like a James it's Cagney. A it was a like, little sing-songy. Yeah. You, you dirty rat. You, you, you know, dirty like. Rat. But I, I screwed it up. Anyway. Yeah, you went southern there, my dude. I know. Hi, guys. We're doing we're doing noir <laughs> stories this week. We don't normally say hi to the audience, right? Hi, audience. We're doing noir stories this week. We're waving to hey. you from Black and hey, White everyone. Turner Classic Movie Channel. You like noir? You you like you like dames and you like alleys and you like fog. Yeah. Uh, and MacGuffins. This has all of that. We're talking about X-Men Noir and other Noir. We're an X-Men podcast, uh, as I'm sure you well know. Uh, and John Wickman, who was our, one of our patrons, he went over to patreon.com slash Battle of the Atom. That's a fresh URL if you're curious. Uh, he went on over to that Patreon site and said, y'all, I'd love you to talk about X-Men Noir. And there are four X-Men Noir stories. But That's Adam. Lot. That's a lot. Adam. Yeah. How many stories do we cover on this well, podcast? We, we only cover three stories, Zach. So uh, how, did we make, how did we make this decision? This, we this made this choice. decision because I did not want to read X-Men Noir Mark of Cain. It looked long. <laughs> it's. I did read it, though, because it was still in my Marvel Unlimited library. And I was like, well, I'll just knock it out. I got time on a Sunday afternoon. It's bad. Uh, we're not ranking it. No. It's Wild nonsense, but let's go to the let's go to the land of noir. The first story we're going to talk about is X Men noir. Hey Adam, hi. You know about sociopaths? Oh yeah, <laughs> Soci- <laughs> sociopathy as opposed to being a, a mutant. I- yeah, uh, the X Men just don't have emotions, and they don't they don't like feel any. They're sociopaths. Oh my god, they don't feel remorse. Um, right. They don't have Wild. powers. They don't have powers. They 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 have character traits, and they're all sociopaths. <laughs> so Cyclops has a gun, and he's missing an eye, and he does wear sunglasses. Red sunglasses. He wears his red sunglasses at night. Mm-hmm. Beast is just a brawler guy. He's got big feet. Uh, Iceman is homophobic. Super homophobic, but he is... His- Entire character traded this. Yeah, I, I will give uh, give the the characterization of Iceman uh, uh, several gold stars for him being the Iceman, and his weapon is an ice pick. That that was kind of funny. The 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 constant spewing of uh, homophobia not funny at all. No, no. Uh, they're they're led by Professor Xavier, the professor of crime. Uh, who's in jail for being the professor of crime. 
<laughs> He's been harboring all of this, uh, all of these sociopaths. Yeah, instead of instead of uh, treating them at his psychiatry school, uh, he just made them better criminals. That's right. Much to the chagrin of Chief Detective Eric Magnus, leader of the Brotherhood. Led by uh, Sebastian Shaw, uh, is kind of given Magnus his start. And uh, we also have a, not a new... Not through the police. Sebastian Shaw is not a cop. He's right. a dirty, dirty criminal who owns the police. Right. And then, uh, and new to the force, just getting started, is, uh, is, is Peter, Eric's son. Yeah, Peter Magnus. You know him in the regular world as Quicksilver. Uh, so He's this slightly, is f- slightly faster than a normal man. <laughs> he, was, he was a track star in college. He could have gone to the Olympics if the Great War didn't break out. Uh, this one's written by Fred Van Linty, who has written a lot of very good comics, uh, penciled, uh, inked and colored by Dennis Calero. Uh, let's talk about the art for a second, Adam. What are the defining qualities of noir to you? I mean, when we're talking about noir, I think about the big sleep, you know, I think about the Maltese Falcon. I'm thinking Sam Spade. Uh, I'm thinking Philip Marlowe, Lauren Bacall, Bogart, right? Kind so of black and white, kind of black smoky. and white, deep, deep contrast, right? And uh, and there's there's like a dial here that feels like it's been turned a, a little bit too low on the brightness setting. <laughs> yeah, there's no contrast. There's a lot of noir. No. There's a lot of dark. Not a lot of light and not a lot of clarity of what figures you're looking at at a given time. It's very difficult to know which one of these fedora-wearing men is who any time during this weird comic. It would have been a very good plan to have done some character model sheets before they started making this book. Um, Especially since Dennis is trying to do what I would describe as a more... I don't want to call it photorealistic, but he's definitely going for something that's supposed to look a lot more realistic. The problem is he can't be consistent about what his faces look like or even like height or silhouettes, anything. So from panel to panel, very confusing. Like, am I looking at, at, at Quicksilver? Am I looking at Magneto? I don't know. They have the same haircut. I'd say one thing that would have really helped this comic from an art standpoint and a clarity standpoint is a lot heavier use of like spot color but very vibrant spot color a la like the Sin City movie for example that they use that to great effect because it was black and white thing but you use that spot color to be a pop it emphasizes things and since all of the characters have distinct characteristics Cyclops has his red sunglasses mm-hmm. Iceman you can just make him like have blue highlights Magnus, you can have purple on it. And they do a little bit of that, but the contrast is so, it's so low. low. It's so brown. It's so it's, low. It's so washed out. And you're, you're making an excellent point. I mean, I, I am a huge Frank Miller, Klaus Janssen fan, um, and they do it right. You know what I mean? Like, when, when you go back and you read something like Dame to Kill For... They understand the dynamics. Uh, Frank Miller understands the dynamics. Even if you go back and read, you know, uh, Klaus Janssen doing Daredevil with Frank Miller, like they understand what that contrast is supposed to look like. This doesn't get it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, you look you look at something like Hellboy, for example. Sure. A book that I, I do enjoy has a lot of those same dark noir elements to it, mm-hmm. but it emphasizes color to separate things, not just with Hellboy being a big red demon man. <laughs> right. Uh, but with other characters and other other aspects of the book, it does use that color to really set things apart. And this book doesn't do that. It looks like there's an Instagram filter over every page. Yeah. Um, the, it, the coloring of it is, is strange, but I feel like we're placing a lot of the blame on the artwork. The story does not help. You know what I mean? Like it's not nope. as if we're looking at a very clear cut story. Um, we didn't even get into like, who is the most important character in this story that I had to search on Google? Cause I had no idea who he was. Okay. So what happens is there's a murder. That's how it starts out. A dame watch, washes up on the beach, and wouldn't you know it, they fridge Jean Grey to start this thing. That's right. Just opening pages, she rolls up on the beach, and she's dead, and now all the boys are looking for her. Uh, she does have an X tattoo, which tells them tells them coppers that she she's one of them X-Men's. One of them sociopaths. <laughs> she's one of them sociopaths. <laughs> uh, and the Brotherhood, led by Eric Magnus, does investigate this. Uh, they find out that uh, Charles Xavier and his school... Has had a lot of problems. Uh, he tricked one of his students, Angel, into thinking that he could fly, but he jumped off of a building and killed himself. Poor Warren. Poor, poor, poor rich Warren. Uh, anyway, so you're set to think that, okay, Angel's dead. Beast and Scott and Bobby are here. Jean's dead because she's the girl, so she has to be fridged. Um, and nope. Uh, Angel, Warren Worthington, is dead. But the Golden Age Angel, Tom Holloway, is alive. You remember how Warren Worthington III is a legacy character? <laughs> no. Um, I didn't. He is. Uh, cool. We, we've read about him. We've read... A, did we read about... No, we read about Red Raven. That's right. We did read about Red Raven. That's uh, right. I, I have not read any Golden Age Marvel at all. I've read, like, the first issue of... Marvel Comics with Namor. And then I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Bill Everett, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, this is the equivalent of me doing a double take as I'm, you know, like I don't often double take at a piece of uh, paper or in this case, my iPad when I'm, I'm reading Marvel Unlimited. But I, I was like, wait, is that supposed to be Warren? Didn't Warren die? And then no, quick Google search later. <laughs> The, the cool thing about it is that's I, I said this before we started recording. I think that this is I think that character is probably the coolest part of the series. Like I would have probably just read a a Holloway Angel uh, detective story like I would have read well, that. He's that a, seems... he's a he's like a golden age pulp fiction character. That's yeah, what he is. he's got thin little mustache. He's going to blow up your your Zeppelin, you know, he's the shadow. Sure. He's the spirit. He, he's exactly. He's he's got all that. That's great. That's fun. The rest of these characters are sociopaths and they're bad. Uh, we find out that Gene didn't actually die. Gene orchestrated the death of Anna Marie Raskin, uh, who just she copied all these people around her. I don't know what her deal was, but she it's almost like she, she absorbed them. Who could uh, that be? Who could that be? Um, anyway, she she dyed Rogue's hair red and got her killed. And 
for reasons. Honestly, I don't get her motivation. There's like five different double crosses in this because there's this whole story about like Peter finding out that his dad's a corrupt cop and his dad owing things to Sebastian Shaw and Shaw wanting Magnus to take out Unis, the untouchable criminal. And it's just kind of a mess because I don't care about any of these guys. Too they many just share plot the names threads. of some people I like. Yeah. Like, this is only four issues. Now, is is using Unis the Untouchable as a gangster, like, that's a cool idea. Um, is it done successfully here? No. No, it is not. Like, there's so many uh, plot threads that are trying to be woven together, and it's confusing, and it's a mess, and it never quite satisfactorily ties up. So, I have to say, I did not enjoy this that much. I did not enjoy it. I would not enjoy it. It's not something that I think that people would like. It's weird that this was successful enough to have so many spinoffs, right? I mean, what, this all got started with Spider-Man Noir, or what was I'm the? I'm assuming. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about the Noir universe. I mean, uh, what stinks about this is like this is a cool concept to put, you know, current or, or let's just say Marvel characters in general, put them in this genre and have sort of like this Elseworlds what if type scenario. Like, I think that's a cool idea. It's just not. It's not executed with any level of precision so that you can actually get something out of it as a story. I I, I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah, I'd agree. It's uh it just wasn't for me. Yeah. So uh why don't we why don't we put this on our big list, Zach? Our big list. Are you talking about our big list where we rank all the X Men stories forever and ever and ever and ever and ever? I sure am. I think it's got three hundred and eighty seven stories on it now. It does have 387 stories on it. The number one story on our list is the Dark Phoenix Saga. The hundredth story on our list is the End of Greys uh, from Uncanny X-Men. Number 200 is the first issue of Purple Era X-Force. Number 300 is New Mutants 98 to 100, beginning of the end. And the last story on our list at 387 is The Draco. I don't think this is as good as that New Mutants story. Those three issues of New Mutants? Um, no. At 300? No, it's Where? definitely definitely in the 300s. Um, is this better or worse than IVX at 319? It's worse than IVX. Yeah, it, I think it so legitimately too. is. IVX, IVX has problems. IVX also has some highlights. Is it worse? This has lowlights. Uh, is it better or worse than Apocalypse versus Dracula at 327? You know, this one don't have Dracula in it. It sure doesn't. Uh, and I, I think even the character nods there might have been a little bit more enjoyable than this. Um, geez, we're just working our way down. Is it better or worse than X Men: The Hidden Year six and seven? That Storm story at three forty two. Um, you know, I, as I said, I think I did enjoy the the uh, Angel stuff that's here, so I might put it ahead of those John Byrne issues. It's not as good as the. X-Force X-Man stuff and Onslaught, though. All right, so that's going to make this our new 342? Our new 342 is going to be X-Men Noir. All right. Now, I think after we just uh, started off with a eh story, we should move on to one that I enjoyed a little bit more, which is what's the second story we're talking about this week, Zach? It's Wolverine Noir. Ooh, now I was anticipating uh, this to be an extension 
of we did we didn't mention this, but Wolverine does appear very briefly as a boat captain in X Men Noir. So when we when I got over to this, I was like, oh, so we're gonna get the that character. This has nothing to do with what we just read. Yeah, it's it's technically set in the same universe. It's wildly incongruent with X Men Noir because uh, Wolverine Noir is Jim Logan Hallett. Uh, and his mentally uh, handicapped brother, Dog, uh, running a detective agency. Yeah, Logan and Logan. And uh, immediately, right from Jump Street, uh, the art is significantly better in this Are you talking about the art that C.P. Smith does with writing by Stuart Moore? I I am. Uh, And it, it was a good feeling to get away from the, <laughs> the, the, not that Fred Van Lenti was creating over there in X-Men Noir and get something that was very on the nose, like this is going to be a noir detective story because who walks into Logan and Logan but uh, Mariko? And yeah, this beautiful, beautiful lady walks into his place, says she needs his services. That's right. And we are off to the races. So we have a dog who is really, you know, he just doesn't seem to be in his right mind. Um, repeats himself a lot, very violent. Um, and slowly as we go through these four issues and we start to meet other characters like Lady Deathstrike and uh, we meet Creed, um, it becomes apparent that we are definitely reading a reinterpretation of Wolverine's uh, origins, the, the hey. original miniseries. Can I tell you a secret? Yeah. This is actually better than Wolverine's real origin. I was just going to say that. It is a really fun take on that story that I like a lot. We never read, we never ranked that. Um, yet. But We've yet. not ranked it yet. But we will rank Wolverine Origins. This is a fun take on this. So um, similar to X-Men Noir, Wolverine Noir, um, Wolverine does not have powers. He has, No, he... <laughs> He's go ahead. Tell him, tell him how, what he's got. His Irish gardener, when he was a kid, at his <laughs> reverend father's stately manor, taught him how to use knives real good. So now he has a bunch of knives, including knives that he wears between his fingers, like Wolverine claws. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's basically got like, like that. He got like daredeviled. You know what I mean? Like his gardener, his estate's uh-huh. gardener, basically is stick and taught him how to be a, a ninja samurai warrior. Yep, that's all it is. It's great. Uh, and he gets he gets real into uh, this girl on his estate, Rose. Uh, he has a lot of feelings for her. Doesn't know how to handle them. Uh, but what we do know is Rose is gone. Dog goes missing. Uh, we're trying to sort out what's happening. He thinks Creed might be behind it. Might be this whole big conspiracy tied in with Mariko and her crime family and everything that's going on. There's a lot of not original beats, but very good like noir beats. Like if you're gonna do X Men, but it's a noir story and like a hard noir story, you you want it to just be this. Oh, absolutely. Like. Um, this is what I thought I was signing up for when I read X-Men Noir. 
You know, like I want yeah. the femme fatale to walk into the detective agency and send the main character spiraling into. And maybe it's just easier because it doesn't have to be a quote unquote team book. It can it can just be Wolverine, uh, you know, looking for his missing partner. And then we get his tragic backstory, um, which, oh, gosh, you just feel you really, I, I don't know, like, <laughs> you kind of feel bad. You, I feel bad for Dog in this story. He yeah, really... Because uh, Wolver, Wolverine uh, mentally handicaps him by stabbing him a bunch and slashes Rose across the face when he's in love with Rose and finds out that her and Dog are... Uh, uh, they, they are copulating. They, they are in a, a physical relationship, and uh, we don't they realize... They know each other biblically. Yeah, we don't realize how uh, injured he got to Rose, but spoiler alert on this story, she turns out to be the big bad. Yeah, she wants revenge because Wolverine cut her in the face real bad, and she's mad because now she's ugly and disfigured, and she says he's ruined her life, which, look, fair. Uh, and she's doing all this to uh, to just get revenge on him. Doesn't work out so well for her. Um, it doesn't. Everyone dies uh, except for Wolverine. Yeah, and like there's this there's this nice crossover between like the violence of a Wolverine story that you expect and the 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 tragic outcomes that often come with uh, you know like a a Raymond Chandler book where nobody really gets out unscathed. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. everybody is cracked up somehow. So, um, man, well, it's good. There's no heroes. No. There's there's no winners. This is just the story of some broken people in a broken down part of town in a bad part of time who are hurting themselves more and more by everything they do. Yeah. And I you know how I know I, I enjoyed this is because there is a very tragic end to, to dog. Uh, and man, if I didn't wince when that happened at the end of this story, I felt so bad for him. He gets trained. The dog gets trained. And by trained, I mean a train hits him. Yeah, yeah. Tied to the tracks. Uh, A train uh, hits him real good. It's rough, man. Um, but I gotta say, like, I feel like there was real emotion here. It was, it was, uh, it's definitely getting the genre right. And, um... I, I thought the art was good. I, I like that it was a, a really good take on that origin story um, that I don't know that everybody enjoys from the original miniseries. Guys, if we've got a lot of Wolverine Origins fans out here, uh, don't tell us. Let us make fun of this story, please. <laughs> uh, so uh, this one's a lot better than the first one that we talked about. I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. It is better. Let me ask you this. Yes. Is it better than that? Is it better than number two hundred? That first uh, X Men or X Force Purple Era. Um. Or see. actually, I'm gonna say no because at two hundred five we have Madrox, which is also a X Men noir story. Okay. Uh, but just a noir story that is also an X-Men story. I think Madrox is better than this, but it's in the same ballpark. Yeah, I also wouldn't put this above uh, Wolverine Cocaine, which is at 204. It's not as good as Wolverine Cocaine. It's, it's not. not as good as Wolverine uh, Cocaine. No. Um, let me look. I think we're in the right neighborhood, though, because I wouldn't go much lower than that. Um, I think this is better than 214, which is X-Factor XL. 
I think so too. Um, I better than Nation X, I'd say. I enjoyed this Uncanny. better than uh, the Invisible Woman has vanished at two oh nine. Yeah, I say that's fair. Um, Maybe it's. I, I don't think it's as good as uh, the I Magneto one. Yeah, uncanny. that's where I was staring at. Yeah, that's a good ceiling right there. I think. Yeah, I think uh, number two hundred eight, which is Uncanny X Men one forty eight to one fifty, I Magneto is better than this. Yes, uh, but this can be our new two hundred nine. Yeah, and if you are a Wolverine fan, and you know, like I love when there's just a really good Wolverine mini. It's not like it needs to be this you know, profound story or anything, but I, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was good. Yeah, no, this is, this is a fun one. This was, this was the highlight of my X-Men noir weekend. (laughs) You mean, uh, noir weapon X noir was not to your liking. Weapon X noir is a one shot. It's the next one we're doing. It's by Dennis Calero. He does everything. It's a prequel sequel to, the sequel to X-Men Noir, which is X-Men Noir, The Mark of Cain. Okay. Uh, this one's a, a Nightcrawler story. Kind of. It's about the demon, Kurt Wagner. Uh, yes. He's part of his traveling circus, and the traveling circus goes to uh, Wendegore, and at the circus, Prince Wendegard is uh, murdered. And Weapon X also known as Rankin, also known as Mimic, does come to investigate. Yeah, we don't quite know who or what Weapon X is until, what, about halfway through the story? I mean, Something it's... Something like that. And, it's, and it's, it's portrayed in an interesting way because Mimic is, in Marvel continuity, just... He's got multiple X-Men powers. But here... He's kind of pulling a Game of Thrones thing where he's like using people's faces. Yeah. To do like, oh, I didn't need that face anymore. I drop it. I, I was unclear whether Mimic had powers or not in this story. I don't think anyone in the noir universe has real powers. So he just has kind of like a Play-Doh face. Like, yeah, I think he just I think he has a lot of faces that he takes on and puts <laughs> off, which is gross. It is gross. Um and uh, Nightcrawler is depicted as um, this this guy who wears a blue mask. He, d- he doesn't have uh, a blue It's blue a demon mask. Or, right, right. Um, and he is the, the world's most amazing escape artist. So how could he have shot the prince? Because he was tied to an electric chair from the ceiling in the circus tent. Yeah. But he did anyway because he's a great master assassin. <laughs> I was going to say, that's spoiler the story, alert. guys. I don't he know does. what to tell you. Hey, yeah. the, one of the two people in this uh, story that have any lines is the killer of this murder mystery. Yeah, um, and it's not the guy investigating the murder. No, Fenris shows up. Uh, at least one half of Fenris. Yeah, I guess. Friggin', who cares about Fenris? Andreas von Strucker sucks. He's there. Uh, he's looking forward to, to torturing the prisoner. Um, and uh, how does this all wrap up? I mean, they, it, it turns out that Mimic, uh, a.k.a. Weapon X, the detective in this story, he's got it pretty much figured out. Yeah, they solved the crime. That's it. It's yep. boring. <laughs> Honestly, it kind of sucks, guys. This one's not even fun to talk about. It's a weird one shot. The art's just as bad as X-Men Noir. Uh, 
I, with a little bit more lighting. Less ca- a, yeah, less characters, so we don't have as big of a cast to deal with, which is which is helpful. Um, only one to... person constantly in a fedora and trench coat. <laughs> right, right. Um, and even though he's changing faces constantly, um, it, it you know at least the costume stays the same. And uh, you're right. There's a little bit better contrast. Um, I, I didn't catch if the colorist was different in this issue, but uh, no, it's still clear. It is okay. Well, they, they've lightened things up. It's it's not as muddy. There's there's a lot more blue and green, and and you know, yeah, scenes are supposed to take place during the daytime in this story. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I'd give higher marks to Claire, uh, the, the the artwork here, but um, like you said, there's there's just not much to it. The this, the issue is divided up into chapters for some reason. I guess to seem like you know an old school golden age comic, but I, I guess it's not purposeful it's for just any scenes. reason. No, it's just different scenes. Yeah. Um, and it all just kind of happens. Like, did, did you say that this is a prequel to the, the Kane Marco stuff and the other one? Yeah. Cause the demon does show up in Mark of Kane. He's one of the, uh, all new, all different X-Men that, uh, the professor of crime has, has assembled, but he's still, he's still a nothing person. He just does kills. He does kills while wearing a demon mask. Oh, well, now he needs the mask because he is burned at the end of this story. Yeah, so, he does uh, get himself all injured up and he yeah. doesn't like it. So he hides behind a demon mask. You know what's telling about the, the noir verse here is that you have Into the Spider-Verse uses Spider-Man noir. And it's like a really great gag. And it's awesome having Nicolas Cage there. And that character has come back multiple times in the Spider-Verse, in the comics. And, you know, it's in the movie. I don't think there's an X writer out there who's like, man, we need an excuse to bring the X-Men noir characters into continuity. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about Spider-Man noir. He's a gag. Like, right. It's like, oh, this is kind of a neat design. And he's a gag in that movie. And it's a good gag. And it's a funny gag. But his entire characterization is, I'm in black and white. And I talk about malts and being sad. (laughs) And what's this Rubik's Cube? Right. (laughs) Um, but I, I can't like I'm trying to imagine a scenario where where through some sort of multiversal link like we wanted to visit these characters again like there's no there's always like you know a desperate need to get the Age of Apocalypse characters back uh, into the six one six there's no there's not going to be a, an attempt at any point editorially to be like guys there's a real fan base for uh, X Men Noir let's <laughs> then why did they make four different series of this who knows I don't know I, I guess there was enough sales with uh, the Spidey stuff to to justify it but um, aside from the Wolverine book I, I can't recommend the other three here not that we're reviewing the the fourth one but um, hey i'll give you a recommendation uh it's not very good either yeah fred van linty's a talented guy i don't know what his deal is with these it's just not happening man it's not so uh why don't we uh why don't we put this one out of its misery is this better or worse than x-men noir i think it's duller You think it's think better? I think it's duller. I think it's... Ugh. I mean, it's... We're c- in the right ballpark. It's not... Okay, here's what I'll say. Yeah. If it's better, then it's not better than 340, which is Iceman Volume 1. Oh, no way. No way. And it's I, not... Is it better than that Onslaught, X-Force X-Man? 
No, it look, it's either right above or right below X Men Noir. <laughs> um, I'm gonna. I'm going to say I enjoyed the angel stuff in X-Men Noir more than anything I read in this one shot. So cool. This should just this go be right below it. Perfect. We'll, we'll bury them together with, with cement shoes and dump them in a the river. I'll be honest. This is a one issue one shot and I did fall asleep while reading it. <laughs> you got to chapter three and we're like, Oh my God, this is endless. It's like a 20 to be comic. fair. <laughs> to be fair it's 32 and i do fall asleep in front of comics a lot because i'm a sleepy boy and i read comics on lazy sunday afternoons when i just want a nap dang it no judgment man no judgment whatsoever i took a nap over lunch today it was delightful Ah, oh, that sounds really nice um you it know was, what it was great until my son woke me up and he was like what's daddy doing i was like <laughs> Dude, I had like a half hour and I didn't want to be on my phone, so I just shut my eyes and it was great. Why'd you do that? No, we can't play Donkey Kong right now. I'm very sorry. You need to get better at Donkey Kong. Oh, kids. They... He, we, we're, we're playing Donkey Kong right now. Uh, he plays his Funky Kong oh. uh, in Donkey Kong Country Returns Tropic Freeze because Funky Kong uh, has a surfboard that means he can float and land on the spikes without dying, and he has twice as much life as everybody else. That sounds awesome. I would play with Funky yeah. Kong. I, mean, I would not no because I like I like the challenge of Donkey Kong Country Returns Tropic Freeze, uh, but it's a very good. I just want to play uh, video games with my kid kind yeah. of character because <laughs> he can legitimately play mm-hmm. and try and make progress. But the margin of error is much wider for him. It's like he can he can not handicap the game too much while I'm over here with Cranky Kong bouncing around like I'm Scrooge McDuck from the DuckTales game. Uh, <laughs> no joke, that's what he does. You're reminding me of the time that I set my uh, daughter. My daughter's uh, a little bit older now, but um, back when she was little... She wanted to play. Uh, I have like a video game emulator for NES, and I, I set her um, up with Ad, the uh, Adam. 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 What? Those those are illegal, and I am going to have to report you to the video game police. Okay. I mean, this was a long time ago in a land. <laughs> sure, far sure, away. sure, sure, uh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you had all the cartridges all, still, so it was fine. <laughs> yes. So um, I set her up with a game genie code on uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja now Turtles that, arcade game. Now that does game. break the Nintendo's terms of service, right there. <laughs> Using a game genie that that brought this back into litigious territory. <laughs> but man, I mean, you could just die however many times you want. It's not a problem. Um, man, I feel like we just talked about video games a little bit more than we talked about that last story. <laughs> y'all, if y'all, I would much rather talk about me and my son playing Donkey Kong or <laughs> Smash Bros. Then yeah, than any of those noir stories. Uh. I could talk about my hot Smash Bros. strats because he's bad at jumping and staying on the stages we play time mode where we're on a team and we have a bunch of other teams and the goal is for me to get as many kills as i can to offset the number of times he jumps off the stage <laughs> so that we can win that's great uh. it's, it's a fun challenge where i can't rely on my teammate and in fact i am deeply handicapped by my teammate that's gonna be that way for a while so just get used to it now he's getting better he's getting so much better 
Well, anyway. Yeah. Now, Zach, since the last time we spoke, there have been some changes to the Xavier Files uh, media empire. Am I right? There have been some changes. Uh, Dan Grote and the team at uh, WMQ Comics have been absorbed by us. <laughs> uh, we, we now have a symbiotic relationship where he write, he commissions and writes a bunch of articles and stuff with him and his great team. And then I pay for the hosting. Nice. <laughs> it's great. Dan's, Dan's an incredible editor. You can check out his podcast, uh, WMQ&A, which is now uh, hosted on the XavierFiles.com website. There's a button you can click if you want to go right on over to it. Yeah, grip it and rip it out of my hair. Is that a, is that a Shasta? No, that, what kind of soda you got there? It was my iPad rubbing against my laptop, which is not a good sound. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I promise to pop a cold one after we get off the air. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Uh, but no, they're doing they're doing some great work. We've already had a ton of uh, cool articles go up this week, mm-hmm. in just in the last three days. Uh, so it's very exciting. We're talking about more than just X Men and more than just Marvel comics now. There's something about Superman up there. I talked about an AWA comic. You know, artist writers and artisans that really good and definitely not at all weird. Uh, publishing house that came out i did not like the comic i read i was mean to it <laughs> i love that, that there's like a, a wider variety of stuff i've been a huge fan of wmq in a while uh i think i, I got on their show at one point uh but they're, they're great uh i've hung out with dan before and i think kim and its team are an awesome addition to the xavier files media empire they're great we're so glad to have them and now we're going to transition into ending the show because I did forget how to do that. Uh, John Wickman, thank you so much for being a patron on Patreon. If you want to be like John Wickman and be a patron on Patreon, you got to go to patreon.com slash battle of the atom. And then at the $2 a month or higher level, you can get an episode handcrafted, mm. just meticulously. Our, our trained Swiss craftsmen will take your suggestion, the, the nugget of truth that you put into this world. <laughs> And we will carve it, we will water it, we will nurture it into a fully formed episode of Battle of the Atom filled with such great ideas. It's like as art- artisanal cheese. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Just like a real stanky Gouda here. Uh, Zach, where could people find all that awesome content you were talking about? XavierFiles.com or on Twitter at XavierFiles. What about you, Adam? What you got? You guys can always What's find you, me you up to? on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Uh, man, we just spent this episode in total black and white. I feel like we need a Technicolor like fantasy world for next episode. What do you think? Yeah, we're going to talk about Kitty's Fairy Tale. It's fun. There's, there's Bamfs. <laughs> I've not. Oh wait, why did we write? Oh, I forgot some of the stories we're doing. I'm gonna look at. We that. don't have to do those. We just know we're doing Kitty's fairy tale. <laughs> we'll do Kitty's fairy tale. This one that I have highlighted, I don't actually want to read <laughs> okay. again. I read that recently. It sucks. <laughs> All right. In so fact, I'm, I've deleted that from the list. We're not going. To, what I can tell you, we aren't going to do next week is cover CB Sabolski's <laughs> X Men fairy tales because I do not feel like reading that again. I read uh. it in the last six months. It's boring oh all right well it's not that good hashtag content understandable 
Um, but we will be talking about fairy tales next week, right? Yeah, we'll talk about fairy tales and pirates and stories. But until then, guys, this has been Bow the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!